Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Autosport Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Kalanorkas. Formula One is back in action this weekend with the 2020 Russian Grand Prix in Sochi, where the pre-event media activities took place at the track today. Several of the season's big talking points rumbled on again in the various Zoom calls for the remote press conferences, but there were also a couple of potentially unique topics that came up for this event concerning two of Formula One's most prestigious records. At this weekend's race in Russia, if Lewis Hamilton wins, he will equal Michael Schumacher's all-time victory tally on 91, while Kimi Raikkonen is poised to equal Rubens Barrichello's record for the most race starts in the championship on 322. Joining me on today's bite-sized podcast is Motorsport.com's F1 editor, Jonathan Noble. And John, let's start with those two records and the responses they generated from the drivers involved today. But first of all, I wanted to ask you, considering you were working in F1 when Schumacher was racking up all those wins uh, to set the record, put it out of reach for so long, or has it become somewhat inevitable given what Hamilton and Mercedes have achieved since 2014? Uh, I think records are always there to be broken, aren't they? You always think that, um, you know, no matter what, uh, athlete does in any sport whether it's winning more races or doing something quicker there's always the chance of it getting broken the, the key is the time scales so what you know when Alan Prost beat Jackie Stewart's record for the number of wins that was viewed at the time as a great achievement um, then we've had Michael Schumacher um, achieving everything that he did with the seven world championships and the 91 victories um, so I think it's not surprising being beaten I think what's more surprising is how quickly it's happened how quickly it's turned around uh, and I think you wouldn't have predicted after the, you know, Schumacher Ferrari years of dominance, that we would within a couple of years have an era of Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes dominance. And but but interesting that 
in the middle of that, there was the Sebastian Vettel and Red Bull dominance. And at one point, it looked like it might be Vettel who was who was who would end up doing that. He said he had uh, mixed feelings about you know not about Hamilton being equally in the record today. But I thought what was what was more interesting was sort of was Lewis's response because this came up after he after he, he moved to ninety wins when he won last time out on Mugello, and he seemed you know he seemed a bit not not quite taken aback, but it was like wow, I'm, you know this is this is a real big thing. I hadn't really thought about it. It's just like. Yeah, this is this is a big deal. But today he was sort of sort of not playing it down, but just a bit more like his typical response when he's asked about this. He's like, I don't really care about the numbers. And I'm not really focused on that. You know, he said at the moment, when we'll come on to discuss later on, you know, there's there's bigger issues going on in the world right now. Not that he said, not that that takes away, you know, the honour of equaling uh, Schumacher's record. But why do you think it is that he isn't so fussed about numbers and records and, and things that, you know, we as as the media but also fans seem to be so not obsessed with but you know but but care about so much i think it's a trait of drivers isn't it you know not many drivers will stand up there and say um oh i'm desperate to beat this record this record means a lot to me especially on a thursday in a press conference room especially now they're isolated uh you know with their mask with a tv screen with a, a single journalist in the room asking questions um it's a very different atmosphere and i think but i think when you get in the the heat of the moment when they you know when he's actually pulls this off and achieves it then i think you see the true emotion come out um we saw it with michael schumacher when he beat senna's record at monza that year the tears in the press conference i think the moment overwhelmed him uh, and we saw something similar to lewis when he when he beat ayrton senna's either beat or equal ayrton senna's pole position record in montreal a few years ago and they presented him with the the replica helmet he was overwhelmed it was something incredible for him at the time so i think something that beforehand you know, it's quite macho and it's quite cool to say, oh, I don't particularly care at breaking this world record. But I think when they do 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 it and do beat it, it does matter. Absolutely. And do you think there's also a case of, you know, they're not they're not stupid enough to set themselves up for a fall in the case of you don't know what's going to happen on, on Sunday. Who could have predicted Pierre Gasly winning in Monza? So it would be silly of Hamilton to go, yeah, I'm going to break the record uh, uh, this weekend or, or equal it rather. And, um, you know, it's that it's it's the classic mindset. It's of we just got to take it one step at a time and not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Under promise, over deliver. It's the mantra that Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton have pulled off so brilliantly since 2014. There's no point promising you're going to win or set up your stall only to disappoint. Much better to play things down and deliver and then celebrate like mad on a on a Sunday night. Um, it's a it's a little trait, and I think drivers do ultimately care. Um, you know, no matter what what record it is, apart from our probably drivers who do the most races with no points or the most races with no podium then I think the records annoy them coming on and looking at the the Kimi Raikkonen record it was interesting well I had an interview with him a one-to-one interview uh, at the Italian Grand Prix which you can read uh, in forthcoming issues of Autosport magazine and GP Racing magazine specifically about this record that he's set to equal and and break I mean at the same time you know there's no guarantees he has to still start those races he may not qualify or he might we hope that doesn't happen but you know, it was interesting. We went in and I sort of planned what I was going to ask him. And the first question was, we want to, we just want to, want to get him laughing, want to get him, you know, comfortable. I was just like, do you care about this record? Expecting the response that I got. And it was just that, no, not really, which I thought was pretty, pretty typical of Kimmy. But with him, the, the question I want to ask with this one is, do you think perhaps it might be a bit more short lived in terms of Hamilton is, is well out of touch and the only person close to him in the, in the, in the, in the record stakes is Michael Schumacher. But in terms of other drivers who might one day take the title of completing the most Formula One races, Fernando Alonso, who's coming back next year, will start on 314. So he'll do 315 as soon as he starts the first race of next season. 
if Kimmy's not around, which there is a very real possibility of, this could be one of those records uh, that's quite short-lived for him. Yeah, I think records like the most number of races and even, you know, win records and pole positions to some extent do tumble quicker now because as we move to an era of 21, 22, 23 races, you're burning through an awful lot of numbers, a lot more opportunities as we go along. Um, you know, the time when Ricardo Patrese had that first record for the, you know, the greatest number of races, that was that was viewed as something out of touch for many people. And then Rubens Barrichello managed to beat it. Uh, and there were quite a few years on, um, Kimi Raikkonen. Um, I will tell one amusing story about the, the Rubens Barrichello record, though, that I remember we were at the, um, I think it was at Honda at the time, BIR or Honda, and uh, we did a pre-season interview up at the factory with him, a few few journalists talking about you know what it's going to feel like to beat this record and um, the achievement. And one of my colleagues there, who shall remain nameless, uh, wanted to clarify the statistics and said to Rubens, um, do you count the 2005 United States Grand Prix um, in your tally? To which Rubens returned, yes, I finished on the podium. Why wouldn't I? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It was interesting also. Um, I said to Kimmy, have you got any plans to celebrate the record? Again, knowing, expecting the answer. And it was like, nah, not really. You, you, you sense the team and, and probably Formula One, they, you know, they were asking him about it in the press conference today. We celebrate it more, but it just doesn't seem to, doesn't seem to bother him at all. And that is... Ultimately, I think as you as you'll hopefully read in the magazines, that's that's one of the that's one of the keys to his longevity that he says. But uh, yeah, check out the interviews for the for the full explanation on that. Um, now let's move on to our next talking point, which is Sergio Perez, obviously out of Racing Point at the end of this year before it becomes Aston Martin. And he said today that the team is a bit disappointed they've started to hide things from him. But surely, John, this is just a natural step of what happens when drivers are are exiting squads because of the you know the the hyper competitive and closed off worlds of f1 teams well it is and it isn't really because i mean it would make sense if sergio was um you know if racing point if sergio was leaving for a team that was a direct rival to racing point you know if a, if a driver was leaving ferrari to go to red bull or mercedes or a mercedes driver was going to ferrari you would expect certain amount of knowledge to be limited as they go forward but we're seeing this season with um, Carlos Sainz at McLaren and Daniel Ricciardo at Renault that they're still being kept in terms in touch with all the knowledge. The teams feel it's a bigger benefit to keep them up to date with things, keep pushing things forward, allowing them to maximise the points opportunities because um, the benefits of that at the end of the year are far greater than any concern about them taking any knowledge away next year. And the other thing really is that um, the cars aren't changing much this year to next year. So there's very little benefit you can trade off heading into next season not many secrets you can take on board so it does seem to be potentially you know counterproductive and especially this you know to have a a little bit of public needle between a driver and a team isn't a very good thing for a team it must be a bit of a sore spot considering Perez's history with that team and obviously he's been there a while but in terms of you know, it was his action that that triggered the. It was his action that triggered the legal process that saved the team in 2018. And you know, he, that sort of some of the things he was coming out with in the previous race in Mugello. You know, like you know, they were you know not expecting what was gonna what was gonna happen and and finding out about it. And ultimately, they have chosen to drop him for Vettel because Vettel is a four times world champion. Even though perhaps if you look at his Ferrari results, especially recently you could argue that, you know, his sort of star is, is on the wane. He's not, he's not, you know, he's been making the errors and not getting the, the high profile results. So yeah, it's, it, it, they don't seem to, they don't seem to care too much about upsetting Perez at the moment, it seems. No, but it does seem, um, yeah, just see, I think for, from Perez's point of view, you know, he's been loyal to that team. You're right. His, it was his action that triggered uh, 
um, the move to administration ultimately um, opened the door for the, the takeover by Racing Point. Um, he stuck with the outfit. He could have left other pastures. He was, despite all the Vettel speculation earlier this year, he remained loyal. Um, so he, he's done everything he can. Um, so I think he, he probably rightfully feels a bit short-changed, perhaps in if the team are hiding things from him, if he feels that you know he's being a little bit hard done by. It must also be difficult now with the, with the update situation as well that the team's been transparent and saying the driver that's ahead in the point standings will get the updates, um, which happens to be his teammate. Uh, and unfortunately for him, you know, his teammate wrecked those updates last week when he crashed as a result of a puncture in Mugello. The team haven't had enough time to get two sets ready for this weekend. So yet again, Stroll's going to get the um, updates this weekend and Sergio has to sit back. And if, if the gap is three tenths of a second between the, the, the two upgrade packages or the standard and the upgrade package, that's quite a big um, number of positions on the grid these days because the middle of the pack is two, three tenths is the difference between a decent spot inside Q3 and potentially being binned out in Q2. It certainly is. And it'll be interesting to watch Perez's results because obviously, you know, he's on the lookout for a new spot in Formula One now or, you know, with other championships as well. You know, he's probably keeping all his options open. But if we look at one of the one of the spots where it would seem most logical that he may end up, which was the Haas team. Now, John, you, were, you spoke to team boss Gunther Steiner earlier today. Steiner came out and said, you know, it's not a shoo-in that Perez would come in, despite the fact he brings a lot of backing and he is a very, very fast driver. He says, is he the best for the mid to long term? I don't know. So I wonder, and I'll put this to you, is that the clearest sign yet or the sort of the biggest hint that they might be taking a Ferrari junior or two next year? Uh, I wouldn't say so. I mean, when it comes to negotiations between drivers and teams, there's often a, a game played both in public and behind the scenes. Um, if you seem, if you're a team boss and you get too eager and too um, too determined or too public in your messages that you want somebody, then suddenly that that his manager has a very good reason to then up the price and um, make things very difficult because they know that you, you know you're desperate to get them. So you often have a game in form where you want to play down the person you really want to get uh, in the bid to drive the price down. Um, so standard negotiating, really. I mean, from a performance perspective. Um, you take Perez from an experience perspective, you take Perez with a bit of sponsorship backing as well, you take Perez. Um, I think it's a no-brainer uh, for him to go there. Um, and I'd actually would twin him with um, one of the, you know, potentially with a rookie as well, if they can do a deal with Ferrari, um, maybe freshen things up. Uh, and if not, you know, a Perez-Magnussen lineup, I think it'd be pretty strong too. My gut feelings, of course, you know, what what do I know? Let's face it. Um, about, you know, which would be the ideal lineup for Haas next year would be a Perez and a Ferrari Junior because, you know, maybe he'd get a little discount on the engines or something. Or I don't know, it just sort of, it just seems there's also been that, that sort of, that history between Grosjean and Magnussen in the past. Maybe they want to move on. He's just coming up a lot in Steiner's comments of, yeah, we'd be prepared to take on an all-rookie all lineup or lots of things, you know, everything's on the table whatever but yeah well we should obviously uh we should obviously uh, wait to see what happens with the Haas situation uh so our next talking point is uh still the reaction to that catastrophic really restart at the Tuscan Grand Prix behind the safety car that led to those four cars crashing out uh, opposite the uh the main grandstand on the pit straight um it emerged today Roman Grosjean said uh GPDA director said that um he had written on behalf of the Grand Prix Drivers Association to the FIA's Formula One safety director Michael Massey about how to improve safety car restarts after that incident now do you think that's a reaction to Massey's post-race comments which were pretty robust in terms of dismissing the suggestions from the drivers about what had caused the crash or is that just a natural extension of the drivers wanting more clarification on these things 
I think there's a genuine, genuine consensus among the drivers that you know it was a situation where no one particularly was to blame. Uh, it was a chain reaction incident um, caused by numerous factors, uh, and no one was particularly guilty. No one, no one particularly did the wrong thing, even though a few perhaps could have done things a bit better and not open up big gaps and try to make as much of an opportunity. But equally, there were some circumstances that, you know, while they were within the regulations, like where the safety car light does get turned off in terms of distance to the safety car line where they can restart, um, it wasn't in an ideal position in Mugello, and it's probably not in an ideal situation in Baku either. So perhaps there is some scope to make an improvement just to avoid this repeat in the future. There's no point... Um, there's no point in the FIA digging its heels in the ground and saying, no, the rules are fine when there's been a problem. So I think it's important there is some discussion and some open-mindedness that perhaps there should be some flexibility in the regulations. It's not about changing the safety car rules for every track, but I think in unique circuits like Mugello and Baku, where you've got a very, very long straight, um, where the slipstream is such an advantage and where there's a tricky combination of corners beforehand, maybe they do need something done differently. Well, let's move on to our last uh, discussion point in today's Bite Size podcast, which was going back to Lewis Hamilton. He says there's been no talks with the FIA over his decision to wear a T-shirt calling for action to be taken in the Brianna Taylor case in America after he won the Tuscan Grand Prix. Uh, the FIA looked at what had happened there but didn't investigate, so they weren't going to penalise him as there sort of might have been some speculation about that in the days following that race. Uh, but Lewis also said he expects the governing body to issue a clarification uh, tomorrow, sort of suggested that maybe they will come down a bit on not not come down on him personally but on that action um yeah what do we what do we think the the governing body might be doing here i think i just put some guidelines in terms of what drivers can and can't do most likely on the podium um i think before before the race they're quite flexible uh in terms of saying what the drivers can do and can't do uh, and you can't really limit what a driver wears pre-race um it's you know normally up to him what he does wear but i think the podiums have traditionally been um, a much more area of cont- rigid control from the FIA. There's strict procedures in place. Um, when the podium ceremony has been interrupted, like in Turkey that year, um, and in Hereth in 97, when the local mayor presented a trophy, um, it's, it's caused trouble. So I think the FIA may well issue some guidelines in terms of what drivers can and can't wear or what they can and can't do on the podium, just to avoid um, a repeat of you know, this being so so obvious, which I think then would, wouldn't would stop Lewis wearing that T-shirt and getting the, the coverage before the race in that moment where it is televised, where they take the knee with everyone so committed to his anti-racism thing. But I think the podium, post-race podium ceremony is something that the FIA is, you know, being quite keen that it doesn't get um, diluted or the attention isn't taken away from the Formula One race and the result. Absolutely. Well, we shall see what the FIA comes out with tomorrow, if indeed that is when it's announced. Um, but John, we should we should wrap things up there because we are slightly over time for our bite sized podcast. But it's always uh, always good getting these done. We're not in a car this time, uh, getting having to having to work out getting back to any accommodation. But uh, still, nevertheless, thank you very much for your time and thanks to everybody listening along. Now, just before we go, we'd like to remind you that the latest issue of Autosport magazine came out today and is available on the supermarket shelves and in newsagents, as well as on the doormats of subscribers. There'll be a new issue of the magazine for you to pick up every Thursday, packed full of news, analysis and the usual stunning photography. And of course, if you want unlimited access to Autosport from the comfort of your home, visit autosport.com slash plus to find out how to subscribe to our digital package. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Autosport Podcast.
Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com slash Trilo Music. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. For the ones finding new ways to ensure the job always gets done. For the ones wearing many hats. For the ones who are hands-on, even from far away. And the ones keeping business moving forward. We are Granger, Offering professional-grade industrial supplies, plus real-time product availability and access to experts ready to answer your toughest questions. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.